Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. ...on the documentary. I've had a chance to sit down and watch it, and it's an absolutely fantastic documentary. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate your feedback. So, I was wondering if you could start off by telling us a little bit about what started this off for you. What made you want to make a, a documentary about activism like this? Oh, look, it's, uh, you know, everyone asks me this question and I, I find myself coming up with <laughs> different answers all the time. Um, look, I've, I've always been very interested in making stories about environmental issues. And over the years, because I've been making documentaries for about 35 years, I suppose, I've made you know, quite a lot of nature and wildlife documentaries as well as nature science documentaries. And obviously, you know, in that time frame, climate change has just been a constant. Everyone who works in the natural world has just been so aware of the impacts that climate change is having and will have in the future. But, you know, I sort of thought I don't really want to make just yet another uh, climate change documentary because there's already been so many and I think people tend to switch off a bit now with anything that's too negative. And so I thought, well, maybe it would be interesting to kind of focus on the people who are trying their damnedest to make a difference. And, And so I sort of turn my lens onto frontline activists, um, particularly non-violent frontline activists. And, you know, in the last few years, there's just been this surge of campaigns because, um, you know, the forests in Tasmania are under threat. Um, we're still building new coal mines. And then we have this amazing movement from teenagers who started striking from school and who started the, the whole school strike movement. So I basically followed those three campaigns and found key characters in each of those campaigns. And I guess I was trying to to kind of break the stereotype of what an activist is, because I think there is a general assumption that all activists are just, you know, dull bludgers and losers, and they all tend to be young people with dreadlocks. Well, that really is far from the truth. Um, when I went to the front line, you know, I just met the most amazing array of people from 80-year-old grandmothers who were there just because they were fed up with um, government leaders not doing enough and they felt like they were, they wanted to go to the front line on behalf of their kids and their grandkids. Mm. And then, you know, you've got, like, lots and lots of professional people that are just taking time out from their jobs to go to the front line. And... I think, if anything, the strongest message of the film is that, you know, each and every one of us can make a difference. You just sort of have to get out there and get active. Definitely. And what do you think has led to that change? Because I know for myself personally, I'm part of the Palm Oil Initiative cause, and when I joined, it was it was all of us as what was referred to as oldies but over the last two or three years we've seen a lot of younger people coming through aged between 16 and 21 
why do you think that change has happened, especially amongst the younger generation? Look, I think for a start, young people are really aware that their world is changing and they're the ones that are going to inherit it. And when they study what is going to happen with climate change, they realise that they're basically inheriting a planet, that it's going to have a lot less biodiversity and it's going to be a much more tricky place to live. And so they have started agitating. And I think many too have been inspired by the leadership shown by Greta Thunberg in uh, in Sweden. You know, so Greta was this sort of 16-year-old school kid who herself felt really, really anxious and depressed and suffered quite a lot of mental health issues. And finally, she just started basically just going and sitting outside the house of the parliament each day on her own with a with a banner saying school strike for climate and she would do that every friday and um and gradually more and more people started to join her and she started to get publicity and you know it really within the short space of a year it turned into this mass movement of particularly young women but young people in particular who I think really felt like, well, we can't vote, but we can find our voice and use our voice in different ways. And I think those young people have really inspired a lot of older people who maybe were a bit kind of jaded and had sort of given up um, to get back out there and get involved in activism again because they felt like, gosh, I'm really ashamed, you know, if young people can get out and do this, then I really should be doing something as well. Definitely. And when you first started off in those early days of putting this documentary together, how did you go about finding the young activists that you actually wanted to focus the documentary on and why did you choose the ones that you chose? Look, it's it's like any documentary. I mean, when you start researching an idea, you know, you're sort of going out and talking to people and you're meeting people and you're sending out lots and lots of feelers. And in some cases, you send out feelers and you think you might have found a really good subject, but for whatever reason, they don't bear fruit. And I have to say that, you know, by and large, a lot of um, a lot of the campaigns, you know, they have at times had some really bad experiences with the media, and they've sort of been infiltrated too. And so, in some cases, there was a bit of awareness about um, opening up and allowing a film crew to come in and, and film all the sort of behind-the-scenes action that's involved. Um, so to some degree, I guess I I sort of, you know, moved through these various campaigns and then ended up settling on um, the campaign down in the Tuckine Rainforest in Tasmania, the campaign up in central Queensland to stop the Adani coal mine, the Stop Adani campaign and then the, the kids involved in the school strike movement. And just fortunately, you know, I think I found some really amazing people who are really happy to share their stories with me and with, with the film crew. And oh. being involved in a film, you know, most people think it's only going to take, I don't know, a few days. But in the case of Lisa, I mean, I was filming her for about 18 months on and off. Um, and, you know, I was really trying to track her story and make sure that we had we had a build and we had a narrative arc to her story. And, and the same also with the, with the young school kids. Um, yeah. 
I was going to ask how difficult was that to earn their trust because I know last year I spoke to the director of um, Conserve and Protect which was the documentary about Sea Shepherd and he said that it took a while for some of the Sea Shepherd members to fully trust him. How difficult was that for you to to actually earn that trust because of past things that have happened with the media and activists? Oh, I think that's definitely the case. I mean, probably... Um the group, the Stoppadani group, they, you know, there were some people in that campaign that, you know, were a little bit wary and, um, and they're also campaigns that operate, you know, quite democratically, so it's not as though one person has a say where they just say, look, we're going to make, you know, we're going to cooperate with this film crew, you know, that it's always put out to the group vote, and in some cases people you know, express concerns about, oh, we don't want this filmed, we don't want that filmed. And, I mean, I would always say to people, look, you know, we'll be moving around the camp and we'll be filming things. If for some reason you don't want to be filmed, you've just got to let us know and we won't film you. And so I was always, you know, operating on that basis that, um, you know, it was an option. It wasn't something that people had to had to do. And, and eventually... People all came around and everyone wanted to be filmed, you know. Yeah. <laughs> From the start where no one wanted to be filmed to the point where everyone wanted to be filmed. <laughs> and Andy who Andy Payne, who has spent a lot of time with the Stoppadani campaign, um, you know, he was really fantastic because he could really see what I was wanting to do and he felt that it was an important story and, and I think he really helped to share his confidence with the group and you know as I said eventually everyone wanted to be filmed and everyone was really happy to tell their story well, well, we could have made a whole film about the Stoppadani campaign because there were so many wonderful people there and, and it's the same with you know with the group down in the forest in Tasmania I mean we could have made a film just about about that mob too because there were some really incredible people down there and, and they've been fighting that campaign for many many years yeah, and yeah. you know a lot of them have had success you know there's been definitely lots of areas of the Tasmanian wilderness that are now protected thanks to the efforts of protesters yeah and hopefully there will come a day when the Tarkine is also protected definitely um, it's just a matter of how many trees are going to be lost in the in the meantime. Yeah. Was there one thing that you learnt while you were doing the research or while you were putting together the documentary that that made you just go, wow, or, yeah, was there that, that one thing that really stuck with you? Um, I suppose I was really impressed by people's courage. Um, I mean, people just were prepared to go to amazing extremes and, you know, they would be up at all hours of the morning to go to actions. They would, um, you know, there was just enormous sort of dedication um, to go to these actions, actions and be involved. I mean, for, for example, the Camp Bimby place is, um, it's probably about 300, 350 kilometres from the site of the Adani coal mine. So, and a lot of that is dirt roads, back roads and so um, you know in order to get there for a kind of a dawn event you know, they would really people would be getting up at two in the morning and they'd be leaving and driving in the middle of the night literally to get to that sort of dawn action um, and you know there was a lot of cases where people would just 
um, show incredible dedication to be involved in these actions. And, and sometimes it was quite dangerous. Um, you know, there's some incidents that we did film that you see in the documentary where, you know, people are really putting their bodies on, on the line. Um, they're getting rammed by huge semi-trailers and threatened by people. Um, they're getting abused and <laughs> all that and all sorts of things. So, and they never once would lash out and say something. People always really calm and, you know, just really practice non-violent um, action. Yeah, they do train. You know, everyone who goes to Camp Bindi is trained in the practices of non-violent action, and you know, non-violent action or non-violent protest sort of goes right back. You know, to the days of oh, you know, Gandhi in uh, in South Africa, and uh, you know, there's a long history to non-violent protest, and you'll find most environmental activists that that's what they do um, is you know, protest in a really a non-violent way. I mean, nobody would dream of, um, you know, sabotaging any of, of the equipment that, say, the the timber industry uses, such as the you know big bulldozers or the, um, the logging equipment, um, or any of the mining equipment. You know, they, so you know people would not do anything where they're going to jeopardise someone someone's life. All they're really doing is trying to make a stand and to to stop either trees being cut down or the coal mine from being built. Definitely. And I think that's one of the powers of the documentary is that a lot of people are going to be able to to watch this documentary that perhaps have a negative opinion on activism and they'll see the positive side. So I guess to finish off, is there anything you would like to say to our listeners or our readers out there before they go and check out Wild Things when it opens tomorrow? Well, I really hope that people do... um you know, have a, have a good think about the value of, of protest. Because I think often protesters get a bad rap. You know, they seem to be dog lodges and losers and troublemakers. Where, whereas, you know, if it hadn't been for protesters, um, lots and lots of wild places in Australia would no longer exist. And I think protest does have a value. You need to be able to stand up for what you believe. Um, and sometimes, okay, if, if, if you have trespassed, then those protesters are prepared to be arrested for their efforts, but you cannot stop people from protesting. As one of the characters in the film says, you know, if you're going to threaten our future and destroy our ecosystems, we're never going to stop protesting, we're never going to stop standing up. Um, And I think too, I think there's a lot of hope in the film. It's it's not really a film about climate change, it's a film about about people who are making a stand and trying to make a difference and most of the people who've seen the film come away feeling really inspired and motivated and and sort of want to get back involved again which is wonderful definitely well sally thank you so much for chatting to us today it's been an absolute pleasure and i know a lot of our listeners and our readers are going to check out the documentary so thank you so much for spending the time chatting to us great well in sydney it's going to be playing at the uh dendy in newtown and it starts on february the 2nd yep and it will be playing in a number of regional towns as well and obviously other capital cities but in sydney it's the dendy newtown Awesome. And next week we're going to be doing a, a live Q&A at the end of the first screening, so that's definitely worth coming along to. Definitely. And I know for people in Melbourne it's definitely screening at the Cameo as well, so definitely go and check it out there. Sally, thank yeah, you so much for coming. Yeah, the classic in Austin Week and the Cinema Nova yep. in Melbourne.
Thank you so much, Sally. Thanks, David. Great to talk to you. Thank you. Have a great night. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.